Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Sports Rivals. I'm Gary Thorne. A delight to have you with us. Our purpose here is to preserve memories of classic sports rivalries through the words of those who participated in them. These are the rivalries that are described from the inside out. We should mention, I think today, uh, we have Gary Williams, college basketball Hall of Fame coach, Seth Greenberg, 34 years in the business of college coaching and a number of those years where he went up against Gary Williams. Should mention that we are doing this uh, during the virus season, and we really appreciate these two great coaches coming on to join us. Just for purposes of the record, it is March 30, 2020. Obviously, not an easy time for anybody, uh, not for them, but they've taken time to do this, and we hope this can add a little bit of a smile and some good times when uh, things obviously are not where we would all want them to be. Gary Williams is a Hall of Fame college coach. He won the NCAA championship coaching in Maryland in 2002. He was there at his alma mater, Maryland, for 22 years between 1989-2011 in an ACC conference that was has always been and certainly was then a very tough conference. Seth Greenberg coached against him. Seth was at Virginia Tech. That was 2003 through 2012. As I said, Seth involved in college coaching for some 34 years. So when you look at that, they were rivals in the ACC in the years 2003 to 2011. And gentlemen, as best we could tell, we went back and tried to figure out how you did against each other. Believe it or not, not an easy thing to do because you got to go through a all of the guides, press guides, it looks like you played 500 against each other, went five and five. But the notable thing was the games between Maryland and Virginia Tech during those years filled with very tight ball games. There were overtime games. There was a double overtime game that we're going to be talking about. So let's get to it and let people hear from Gary Williams, Seth Greenberg. Seth, I'm going to start with you by asking, when you're coaching against an opposing team, obviously you're looking at what the opposing team is, who, what the makeup of the players are, but you're also looking at the coach who's sitting on that other bench. When you were at Virginia Tech coaching against Maryland and Gary Williams, what were your thoughts going into games about the coach you were facing? I thought I was in trouble. I mean, you're talking about a Hall of Fame coach. You're talking about a guy that won a national championship. I came in a good time because I was after the Final Four and National Championship team. So I got kind of a bump there as we came into the ACC. But look, when you were playing against Gary's team, and, and when, when I got into the league, one of the things I tried to do with Virginia Tech is our goal was to be the hardest playing, toughest team. We weren't going to get the guys Duke got, North Carolina got, and other teams got. But what I thought we could control was how hard we played. And I looked at actually the blueprint that Gary used at Maryland to build their program. Evaluate up, get your guys to play hard, get your guys to compete defensively, try to steal some possessions. But getting before we get into that, I have to admit, Gary, that like when we came into the ACC, uh, no one wanted us in the league. I and mean, we were Virginia Tech. We were the worst team in the Big East. Uh, we fit the geographic footprint uh, in terms of the rest of the league. We weren't like Boston College or Syracuse or Louisville. I mean, we fit right there. Yet when we came into the league, you, Mike, Roy, whomever, they said, oh, Virginia Tech, they're absolutely going to kill the league because they suck at basketball. It's a football <laughs> decision. And, you know, what's going to happen is it's going to do value in the league. And then we came in and we won some freaking games. 
And yeah, then, that, you know what? Everyone said we killed the league. I know. You, you didn't help us by winning some games. That was for sure. You, you won a lot of games. And the thing was, you won a Duke, which, you know, I think coaches coached in the ACC and never won a Duke in, in, in their whole career. So uh, I know when I got the job in 89 in Maryland, uh, you, you know, we were going through some tough times there at Maryland. And uh, it, it was the thing where you, you, you really got tired of people on your campus. And you, I don't know if you got this, uh, Seth, too. People said, you know, you want to try to have a program like Duke in North Carolina. <laughs> so every time we played those guys, I remember it was usually some faculty guy. You know, he had the leather patches on his uh, blazer and all, all that stuff, you know. And he'd be smoking his pipe at some faculty uh, thing you had to go to. And uh, th- that's all you heard. So that, that, was, that was my goal, you know, just get, get to where we could be competitive against Carolina and Maryland. And, you know, they, then we we finally got to the Final Four in 2001, and now we're really good going into 2002. That's the year we won the championship. And I remember getting the preseason rankings, and we were still below Carolina and Duke. You know, it was like that's the way it is in the ACC. You had to fight everything in terms of how the media perceived you, how referees uh, perceived your program, uh, your fans. You know, a, a lot of fans, you know, figure, well, you can never be as good as Duke or North Carolina. So all that went into coaching. And, and I think, Seth, you saw that when you came into the ACC, just how people felt, you know, about those two programs. And certainly uh, Duke and Carolina have been two of the top five programs, say, for the last, you know, 40 years in college basketball. Yeah, and the funny thing is that, you know, we used all that motivation, you know, like I, I cut out every single article. It had either you or Mike or or uh, Roy or you know anyone else in the league basically killing us, and all I would I would legitimately go, you know, we'd be getting ready to play you guys or we get play Duke or I go, and these son of a bitches didn't want us in the league. Screw them, we're gonna kick them. <laughs> you got whatever it takes, you know. There's nothing. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's like. Uh, you know, it was just the, the ACC. And, uh, you know, I go back to the 60s with the ACC. I played it around. I wasn't any good, but you didn't have to be good back that, you know, you didn't have to be that good back then to play. And uh, it was the same way. Duke had, uh, you know, uh, Vic Bubis was way ahead of his time in terms of the business side of uh, college basketball. And one year we go down there to play. I, I, on Maryland, Bud Lincoln was our coach, and Frank Fellows was a good guy. He was an assistant coach, but he had to teach three PE courses, uh, and he was the only assistant. We go down there, and we're waiting to get on the court to practice the day before. Out comes the Duke staff, and it's Vic Bubis, and his two assistants for Chuck Daly and Hubie Brown. And I'm going like, what's this? You know, I mean, is this fair? You know, is this equal? How does that work? But back then, Maryland really thought of itself as a football school. And uh, they just wouldn't pump any money uh, into basketball uh, until really Lefty got there in uh, 1970. How about, I? you know, my first trip to Duke as a head coach, um, I was an assistant in Virginia that one year in 1984. My first trip to Duke as a head coach, I lasted 38 minutes and 40 second, 41 seconds to be exact. And then somehow, some way, Duke Etzel and I did not decide on uh, the same restaurant to eat after the game. And I got whacked. We lost by about 400 points. You ever get thrown out at uh, Cameron? Yeah, I got thrown out once. Um, 
And we, we didn't win till I got, we won after I got thrown out, you know, the next couple of years we were able to get a win down there, but uh, I got thrown out the first five minutes to the game and you know, their locker room, you know, one thing about doing yeah. they, they make a lot of money in their basketball program, their visitors locker room. It's gotta be the worst still in the, in the, ACC, you, know, bank, you know, but anyway, so I go down there and I'm like, what do you do now? You got an hour and a half, you, you know, you're, you're thrown out of the game. They had this old AM radio down there. So I got the Duke broadcast of the game, and that's how I followed the game that night. Hey, hey, I thought it was Hoosiers. It was Hoosiers. You know, it was just like the guy at Hoosiers listening to the game after he got thrown out. Hey, when Gary says the locker room's bad, it's like an old – they turn into a faculty staff locker room where there's like rows of lockers. So there's nowhere where you can actually look at your team I know. because the benches are behind the rows of lockers. I and mean, you're like in the middle – Standing by the shower, but your rest of your staff is in the shower. There's no room for them to stand anywhere near. And it's like this one mini, this one mini uh, board that you can make the notes on. My great, my greatest story in that we're getting to play them. Actually, in the year, the year we beat them, and my brother Brad is giving the scouting report. I'm in the other end of the locker room because I couldn't stand by him, so I'd have to walk through the middle. To, to actually speak to the team at the end, everyone's like leaning out from behind these little corners, and he was going over Greg Paulus, and he's saying, you know, when Greg Paulus does this, Greg Paulus does that, and Jim, I still remember to this day, Jamon Gordon, who was a really really good guard for us, just tough as nails, defense player of the year in the league, his senior year, it was really really good, and he kind of raises his hand, and Jamon was a guy that was obviously never was afraid of anything, and he re- he grew up in one of the Toughest box in all of Jacksonville, Florida. He goes, Coach Green Bear. <laughs> What's up, Jamon? He goes, he goes, Greg Paulus ain't worth a damn. If he had a JMU <laughs> on his jersey, we wouldn't even be talking about his sorry ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, it is funny how when a guy uh, put a Duke or Carolina jersey on the ACC, all of a sudden he got a lot better. You know, oh, it, oh, it's crazy. interesting how that worked. I mean, and you, you saw it at the end of the year, you know, you, you, they'd have their all conference teams and things like that. And, you know, it was, it was a fight. It was a fight to get your guys, uh, you know, any recognition. And before the expansion, any expansion, um, you know, we were the northernmost team. We, we were like yeah. way out of there. It was uh, Clemson and South Carolina, you know, the four Carolina schools, Virginia and us. And we were, you know, the northernmost team. And then Georgia Tech came in and, um, you know, Bobby really did a great job at Atlanta, you know, getting people excited down there about the ACC. How about, we, we had some, you know, I really competed. Look, I, you were a whole thing coach. I just tried to stay employed, but we had some classic matchups. I, I was, oh, when, yeah. when, when, when I was asked to do this, I started to think about how about when, when the water main broke uh, on campus yeah, and that was supposed to be a national TV game, and we're sitting there. You had one of the greatest lines of all time. We just built our practice facility, so we had this great, beautiful practice facility. No blazers, no nothing. We had we had ten thousand people, ten thousand people in the place. The place was going bonkers. Right. It was some type of celebration. So the officials called us together. So we got this water main break. I remember Wim Sanderson was calling the game. He was scared to death. Because there were no bathrooms, and he had to go to the bathroom every five minutes. But that's another story. He went outside <laughs> on the side of the building. He told me. Right? Yeah. So we meet. We meet with the officials, and you had this great idea. Now I think what we should do is you got this great practice facility. We don't need people to be watching this game. 
We could just right. move over to the practice facility <laughs> and we could just play the game over there. How about my reaction? I said, you got to be <laughs> There you goes your own court. <laughs> yeah. I, told, I, I told our players, I, I remember that really. I think it was supposed to be a 12 o'clock game. We wound up playing like around five or something like that. Uh-huh. And so we're just sitting there. And like I told our players what happened about the truck hitting the uh, water main, which really happened, right? That's the way it happened. I told them. I told them it was a beer truck. Well, I was telling the truth then to our players. I told them it was a beer truck, and they did that because they, they were already planning to celebrate after the game. When they did it. <laughs> so, you know, whatever. And like you said, like you said, Seth, whatever it takes. You know, you just tell your team, and hey, they don't know. You know, they don't know. So you just tell them anything. And that, and that, and that, was, that, was, that was a heck of a game. The, the other one that I remember that was, was a good one was uh, the double overtime game where Bravis scored about 1,000 against us. Oh, that was the game. That that was it. Yeah, that was that, the, that game, was the yeah. beer truck game. Yeah, that and, was the uh, beer truck game. We he had to do everything even possible. That that guy Vasquez that year, we we won our last seven games to tie Duke, who won the national championship. That was 2010, and we tied Duke for the regular season ACC thing. And Vasquez hit a running half hook going toward the corner right in front of our bench. It was like Kareem Abdul skyhook range. You know, it was like 18 feet. I looked down at Shashevsky, and if he was standing close to me, I know he would have hit me, you know, because, like, I kind of smiled, you know, like, makes that all the time. Don't worry about it, Mike. You know, that's the way it goes. And, and like, it, it was incredible. Then I remember the game. You beat us at our place. I, I don't know what year that was. throw-up game. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we're doing great. Was it your guy or my guy that threw up? Oh, my guy. Yeah, you had me. You made him throw up. That's that's why. You said that every time. Well, we were playing good. And then when, after the throw-up, we couldn't play anymore, you know? It's like... But like, how about the referees? They wouldn't go near it. Did you say they, they were like 50 feet away? It was like some kind of radioactive thing, you know, in, in oh. their minds. Like we had a Lorenzo Hudson. I couldn't, I couldn't find a janitor, you know, to clean it. Hey, hey, we played it. We, we, that game was because you, you guys scored like the first 10 points of the game. Yeah. And we finally, Lorenzo Hudson drives and gets fouled. And uh, he steps to the free throw line, one dribble, two dribble, sets sets the ball to shoot it, shoots it, and as he released it, he lost the pregame meal all over the place. <laughs> About just short, it was just short of the rim. His pregame meal. I mean, it was disgusting, and uh, it took it didn't it took forever to clean up. And all of a sudden, we come out of that. Dorenzo makes the second free throw. He stays in the game because he felt better than he said. And we scored yeah. like the next like sixteen of the next twenty points. I do uh-huh. remember though, only in, only as you can. I do remember as we were walking off the court, you turned to me with pointing at me, going, "You made him do that." I know. <laughs> that was that was part of the game plan. You kidding me? Hey, if we get behind. Hey, Lorenzo, if we get behind, you're gonna throw up. You know. <laughs> 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 that was that was one of the that was one of the wild that was one of the wildest. I thought, and then the other one at your place where you beat us by about four hundred was was right. It was your, your last year. It was probably your next to last year because you actually went to the tournament this year with Neil and those guys. Yeah, and that, was, that was a pretty good team that didn't look good. That, you know, was, we were that ugly. Was good. That yeah, we, we really could play. Good. We could play. Really, and, and, uh, and that's that's was. You know, Vasquez was really good. I mean, he was ACC Player of the Year in 2010, 
And uh, he, he was a lot better than people thought. And I really felt oh, that was great. We, we go to the NCAA tournament and we win the first game. Now we're playing his own Michigan State. They got green and, you know, they're always good, but they were pretty good. So we're out in, uh, uh, in uh, Spokane and we get down 15 in the second half. We come back. Vasquez scores 10 points in the last minute and 10 seconds. They go down and hit a shot, you know, top of the circle and, you know, beat us. And I really felt bad for Vasquez because that was his last game. And while we were playing that day, we would play the winner of Kansas and Northern Iowa and Northern Iowa beat Kansas in a complete upset. So, you know, we thought we could beat Northern Iowa if we could buy Michigan State. And uh, then we would have had to beat Tennessee to go to the Final Four. So that's how that tournament goes, though. You know, you, you never... You know, you look at brackets and you think, well, that that, that team's really good. They're going to be a problem. We have to play them. But, you know, you, you got to take care of business uh, in the game you're in. That team, so. was, yeah. that team was really good. But they had the – we love Gary Buttons. I, I think your boy, uh, Scott, he had, he had it made up because he, he was pissed off that people didn't appreciate you or something. I walk out and everyone's wearing those damn buttons. I'm going, we're screwed. We're going to lose my hundred. Yeah, yeah that, that was uh, that was uh, John Harbaugh was there. shot. We had the Ravens yeah. contingent for that game. <laughs> we, we, we did that special for you. So, <laughs> uh, hey, and the greatest Vasquez is the greatest because I'm I'm recruiting greatest Vasquez for 400 years, and at that time you and Stu Vetter were kind of at odds for a little bit. And so I'm going, damn, we might end up with greatest. This is unbelievable. Maryland hasn't gotten involved yet. Da, 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 da. And then all of a sudden, I still remember going to Montrose Christian Life. Oh, yeah. In, in November. And all of a sudden, I look down, and there you are with Stu, and I'm going, yes. damn it. Two Stu days of work, and I'm done. <laughs> Stu and I became big buddies that year. <laughs> hey, you know, it was amazing. The year before, you know, we went over to recruit Durant. That's where Durant was uh, on the school, in the high school. That's That was his, I think that was his third high school. Um, you know, he kind of drifted around a little bit. And, you know, obviously, you know, an incredible player. And that's why, so I didn't even know who Vasquez was. And I saw him, you know, a guy just, the one thing about Vasquez, he loved to play. You, you know, oh, like good. coaching guys like that. That was always when I did my best coaching job because I got a little tired as time went on of trying to get guys to play hard and practice. You know, come on, we're, we're playing basketball. I mean, how tough is this? You know, this, this is supposed to be fun. It's a fun part of your day. And, you know, that's because you never had to worry about that. He'd come in, he was like bouncing off the walls. He, he he felt so fortunate to get out of Venezuela, come to the United States, get a chance to play basketball, play in the ACC, you know, the whole thing. And he always, uh, you know, showed that when he played. And I love guys like that. And, you know, Vasquez was really criticized his first couple of years because he'd do a little shimmy if he made it three, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. And like, I'm, I, thank God I had coached Walt Williams a long time ago because Walt was a little crazy. In fact, he's the only guy that ever wore a headband uh, that played for me because I didn't like headbands. You know, I thought they, they, you know, what are you doing that for? You know, like what, what's you trying to draw attention to yourself or whatever. But we got sanctions uh, from the previous coach when I got there in '89. So Walt could have transferred and played right away back then. And he was really good. Walt was, you know, a lottery pick, the whole thing. And so he came to my office and he told me uh, that spring that he wanted to wear a headband the next year. And I was ready to jump all over him. So I figured, well, if he's gone, we can't beat anybody. So all I, I think that's fine. You know, and uh, what type of shoes would you like to wear uh, this coming season? 
you know, whatever, whatever it took. Sometimes you got to recruit your own players. Uh, you, you know, that that's just the way it goes. Hey, the, way the, rules are, the way the rules are now, you really got to recruit your own players. Cause they're going to be able to, they're going to have to transfer immediately and then just, and, and yeah. be eligible. Uh, if that, if that guideline passes. I've seen some coaches this year. They do that handshake thing at the end of games, which I think is that's got to go. You know, you you know, it's okay if the two coaches shake hands. Players should get to their locker rooms after a game, but that's another thing. But you know, I, I saw coaches this year. They were handing out their business cards to the other guys in line. You know, <laughs> they're going through there. I mean, that is. I mean, guys now, and, and and I think I'm telling the truth here. They have their boards where they have their recruits. You know, this guy's a sophomore in high school. This guy's a junior. In different classes. Now they got the transfer portal group up there on oh, the board. There's no doubt about it. There's it's no doubt. I, I've been I've been in offices. It's it's funny. I was on one office. I'm not going to call the guy out, but and he closed the door. We're sitting talking ball and everything. He was a good coach, and you know people that people really like. And on the back of his door, this is just grad transfers. Imagine what it's going to be next. He's got a list of 20 grad transfers. I turned to the guy. I said, "Hey, just a little heads up." I was kind of new to college basketball, being an NBA guy, I said, like, let me just give you a little tidbit of information here. You might want to cover that because it, it's really, it's really probably not a good look, but you know, talking about coaching, I, I, like, like the one thing I knew about you and, and, and when we were trying to prepare for you guys is like, we were in a timeout. I spent half of my timeouts trying to figure out what wrinkle you were going to do. Now, like I knew if it was a free throw situation, we were probably going to see the 55 or the 20, Press, right. but you kind of tweak that a little a couple of different ways. You might go to the point drop or the next possession. I knew we were going to see something tricky. What was the hardest? What was the hard, like for me? I spent my timeouts just trying to plan for, especially late game, you know, last five minutes, what that next guy was going to do. You know, you 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 your sideline antics and mine as, as well were a tad bit famous. Uh, what was the craziest, like, what was going through your mind in timeout? What was that? I missed that last part. I said, what was going through your mind in timeout? Um, the big thing was, I, I, you know, I, I worried about more uh, how we were going to execute uh, coming out of the timeout, whether we were on defense or offense. And, you know, it, it, what I liked about a timeout, if you were on defense, it allowed you to do something that you might not have done the rest of the game. Like we might not have played any zone. We went zone that time after a timeout. Um, we would do, uh, we had a sideline press, which we, you know, keeping stats. I wasn't a big stat guy, but we kept a lot of stats in our pressure defense. The sideline press was the most effective. Now we didn't do it as much as we did full court pressure. But you, you know, if you ever watch a game, you see the referee give the guy to a ball, give the guy to a ball on the sideline. And if we're in our uh, aggressive press with a guy on a ball on the sideline, but we're going to trap, the first thing the guy does is look down at his feet to make sure he's out of bounds. Because most courts, you know, they play in the ACC. They got benches, they got tables, uh, players' benches. And so players are never comfortable with a guy in their face on the sideline. They can handle the underneath thing most of the time, but not on the sideline. So we won some games just by being able to get the ball back on the sideline out of bounds play when we were on defense. And, you know, I always thought that was a great press, but, you know, and I was willing to share that with other people, but not a lot of guys do that. You know, they, they don't press against the sideline, which I always thought was the best press. And the thing was teams always had pressure sets ready for our full court pressure. 
but they never really did anything but a straight line from the inbound guy when we were pressing on the sidelines. So we would practice that every day, practice for like two, three minutes, and got pretty good at it. You guys got real good at it, unfortunately, because the water main break game, which we spent a ton of time preparing for the sideline press. Yeah. Right, we spread ourselves out. We ran a guy all the way up the floor to stretch the back line guy. And if I'm not mistaken, we threw one skip pass. We were not supposed to throw the deepest pass, but we threw one short, I should say, short skip pass, which you guys stole at the, at the end of that game. And that, that's one of those things. That, like in, in league play, especially, people got to understand, I, I think you'd agree with this. You've got, there's a more level playing field. You've got to find a way to steal a basket, whether it's a free throw situation. Out of the time they out, uh, first play to half, first play uh, of the game, and every possession in league play is so important, offensively and defensively, that you know we would always try. Like if you ran all that flex flex rollback action, we spent so much time preseason that we called that just Maryland. So when we drilled Maryland, we would legitimately that was just one of our that was, literally was one of our shell actions that we would from the first day of practice. To when we played you, we would drill right. that every day just to, to take the duck in away. But then you then you added a couple of wrinkles on us one year, and I, I'm not saying the wrinkles like a back screen out of it. Uh, the rollback guy would set a back screen, and yeah. Lob and, we could get and, a lob uh, out of it. That really pissed me off. Yeah, we, we were <laughs> we were uh, we were always basic on offense. In other words, we ran all our man stuff was out of that same. Uh, inverted set where we have our point guard, our five and a four would be like a 45 degree angle, about 18 feet up from the block, and then two and three were on the block. And, you know, that, that, that was, we tried to run everything from the same look. Uh, and I wanted people to think that all we ran was the flex, which, you know, uh, when you got in league play, like you said, teams would figure out that wasn't all we ran, but we tried to run everything basically looking like we were going to run the flex. And I, I think that helped us when we had like a really good player, like a Vasquez or a Juan Dixon, where we could get him some individual stuff, which really wasn't out of the flex. But I think if, unless you scouted us really well, like league teams do, you would think it came uh, from the flex situation. Guys, let me jump in because it's just great. Uh, I, I really want to get from each of you though, as the as the time goes by and you look back on all these games and talking about playing against one another and how tough the ACC was, if you, each of you talk about the the memory you have right now of looking at each other on the other's bench and what you remember most. Gary, I'll start with you. What you remember most about Seth, and then Seth, talk about what the memories are about Gary that are with you right now. Sure. Well, I, I respected uh, Seth because I knew he, he earned his way there. In other words, he wasn't one of those golden boys. You see guys now, as a, they, they get jobs when they're 24, they're making $250,000 a year. Well, I, I think Seth and I kind of, I was a JV coach in Camden, New Jersey. That was, that was my first job. Yeah. So I always respected the coaches. And, you know, you look at a guy like Krzyzewski, he, he was, you know, he, he was an assistant in Army. Then, then he was the head coach at Army. You know, and really had to build the program at Duke. So you respected that. And then, you know, you look at a Roy Williams. I think he was a manager in North Carolina. I, I don't think he even played. And, you know, just to, just to work as hard as, you know, those people do, like, like Seth, uh, you, you, you're impressed with that. And then when you go play those guys, you know 
that they're going to play hard because that's what they did. They, they worked hard to get to where they were. So I always knew if we played Virginia Tech, we'd be in for a war. You know, there, there's some teams that were really talented that you would rather play than, than a team that was, you know, going to work yeah. really hard against you. You know, you, you didn't want that in your face the whole time. So I always respected Seth for that. Plus, you know, guys, you, you know, you, you have to, you have to coach more at some places. Virginia Tech was not going to be an easy job when Seth took the job. And you're playing against in the best conference in the country. Then. I don't think there was much of an argument that the ACC was, was the best conference in the country. So it's not like you're, you're looking at, you know, your conference schedule and all of a sudden, well, that, that team, we should be able to beat twice. And, you know, that type of thing. You thought every game was going to be a fight and you were right, you know, and, and that's what Seth had to deal with. He had to get that program up to a point where they could compete against, you know, the best teams in the country. And he did. And, and so as a coach, when you look down the other bench, I never told Seth this when we were coaching against each other, but you really respected that. And I think that was, that was, you know, how I looked at Seth. Well, that, that means a lot to me. You know, it's interesting. When I took over at Virginia Tech, our goal was, the blueprint that we used uh, was the Maryland blueprint. And, you know, when Garrett took over at Maryland, you got to understand they were coming up probation or on probation. Uh, they were not the Maryland of Lefty Drizel. And they surely were not the Maryland that we know of, of Gary Williams and national championships and Juan Dixon. But, but when I looked at, it, I said, like, how did they build their program? And, you know, they built it by, High character, tough guys, guys that played hard, guys that understood were winning players, uh, guys that bought into the good of the group. Uh, and their mindset, especially when Gary took over, because they were in a transition period, and the league was the best. I mean, the league was ridiculous back then. That was, was uh, Grant, you had Grant Hill and those guys. They won oh, two straight yeah. years. Carolina came in right behind them, and they won two out of three years, I think. So it was a yeah, joke. It, it, it was ridiculous then is that, uh, you know, the mindset of not being an opponent that like, uh, you know, I, I took that from, you know, obviously when people didn't want to say, but I looked at Gary, the way he coached his team, the one thing you knew is that they weren't going to be an opponent. If they were in there. I don't care if they were in a rebuilding stage or whatever, they were in there to compete and win. They weren't going to back down to anyone, any player, any coach. And, like my mindset was, I, and I watched Gary coach. Now, now I, I, my my assistant, I was bad. I wasn't as tough on my assistants as he was now during the course of the game. Yeah, I was and, and, back at that. Oh my god! But 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 he was better to his guys away from the court, and I was probably. But but here's the deal: I knew Gary's teams as I watched them. They were going to draw a line in the sand every single play. And if we took a playoff, if we took a playoff. That was going to be the play that cost us our game. And legitimately, I would sit in meetings and, you know, like I knew Gary forever. Gary coached at American University. My brother played there, obviously, way before that. And uh, we, we went back a long way. And, you know, Joe Harrington, who was a teammate, his hired me at Long Beach State. So there was, there was a connection for a lot of years there. But uh, they were literally, I would sit in our meetings and, and say, like, Maryland's doing this. You know, how, how can we fit that to what we're what we were doing? And then the other thing is, look, if you you talk about the greatest coaches, you don't become a Hall of Fame coach, you don't win a national championship, but more importantly, American University, Boston College, Ohio State, and and Maryland, you don't 
win everywhere you've been unless you are really smart and really good and can evaluate and get your guys to buy in, trust you, play hard, and play for each other. So we legitimately wanted to be the Maryland. You know, Lefty wanted to be the UCLA of the East. We wanted to be the Maryland of Virginia, and that was because of what Gary did, and that's 100%. From the, oh, thank you. Appreciate that. Guys, <clears throat> absolutely wonderful. Uh, I've sat here listening as a fan, and uh, I, I just marvel at the stuff you guys give out, and I, I really deeply appreciate it. Uh, our guests here uh, this time around, Seth Greenberg, and Gary Williams, ACC, and their memories of coaching against one another in those great years in a, in a conference that, uh, as Gary said, there were uh, there were none really as good in those years as was the ACC, and that is going to conclude another chapter of these sports rivals. To learn more about this and other episodes, we invite you to log on to thesportsrivals.com. You can join the conversation with questions and any suggestions you have for future shows. You can also follow us on Instagram at thesportsrivals, Twitter at rivals underscore podcast. And on Facebook by searching for the Sports Rivals Podcast. Thank you all for joining us. Thank you to Seth and Gary for just a wonderful half hour of a look back at some great college basketball. And always remember, it is the rivalries that make the games. <laughs>